This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Today on the show, Misha Ocherovich and Jasmine Johnson, a star and producer of the new show, Girl in the Woods. It's on Peacock coming October 20th. Honestly, I loved this show. Um, They gave me a a special early screening and I think it's, I think it's super fun. Um, So I loved this conversation and I I do actually love the show. Uh, Also, speaking of things I love, uh, this month, October, Cammy's book club selection is Pizza Girl by Jean Kyung Fraser. I think this book is incredible. Um, I loved reading it, and you can buy it at bookshop.org slash shop slash Cammy's book club and help support indie booksellers. I will have a conversation soon with Jean um, up on my Instagram and then also here on Query Ruby's collar is really jingling in the background so if you hear that that's just life happening anyway thanks enjoy the episode i've been feeling wrong but i'm still holding on darling i know i know i know it's careless i always have guests introduce themselves on the show would you both introduce yourselves Jasper, you go first. Ah! No, you go first. Ah, there's something, I don't know what it is about being asked to introduce yourself that like sends me into such a existential crisis. Oh, that's kind of the, that's kind of the point. I mean, it's not meant to be like a painful existential crisis, but I think especially because this show is so much about identity. It's, it's, to me, it's like a really beautiful thing to hear how somebody would talk about themselves and, and the like short description that they would give, or sometimes honestly, Sometimes long, sometimes long description. (laughs) I tend to be very long-winded, so I'm going to try and keep it short and sweet. So, hi, my name is Jasmine Johnson. I am an East Coast transplant here in Los Angeles. I am from Maryland. Um, I am a Black, queer woman who loves genre content. I work at Crypt TV, where I get to produce and develop the content that I love. Um, what else? What else is cool? I'm left-handed. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Whoa. I love your I, intro. Uh, <laughs> I love to tell anyone who will listen how much I like to box on the weekends. No one cares, but I very much do. Um, no, I care. I care. And I liked it when I first met you. Yeah, I think that's really See? important information. Actually, Jasmine, I'll just share with you like very briefly that... Um, a couple of years ago, I went to a retina specialist because I have like really messed up eyes. And this mm-hmm. person told me that um, I actually can't box because I could fully detach oh, no. my retina and blind myself. And this was such a bummer because honestly, I feel like right before that day, my boxing career was like just about to start. Like right, like, <laughs> like I can't, I, like taken down <laughs> in their prime. You know what I mean? Like any uh, day I was going to go to my first boxing class and I just, but undefeated. So I <laughs> I dipped out and that's really what's going on over here. But I, I am impressed and it's interesting to me that you box. So thank you um, for sharing all that. Thank, thank you guys for, <laughs> for 
for allowing me to share that. True pledge. And for supporting the hundred percent. Yeah, do it for me. You know what I mean? I can't. Um, I'm going Misha, on Saturday, so I'll oh, do it girl, for you. Thank, thank goodness. Misha, uh, please. Uh, okay, my name is Misha Ocherovich. I am an actor slash writer slash creator slash full-time crazy person at this point, it seems. Um <laughs> But I, I very much also enjoy horror and genre, and I got kind of thrown into the deep end um, with it by being cast in horror content. And then I realized, oh, I should probably learn about this world. And now I love it. Um, and yeah, I'm also fan veying a little bit because this is one of the podcasts that I've like actually heard of and I'm a fan of. And oh, so I'm cute. kind of like. Cute. Hi. Well, that's <laughs> but... really lovely. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also will say. I too am fan thing because so I got to I was just saying to Jasmine before you joined that I got to get, you know, like an early screening, like I got five episodes and I do mm-hmm. have Peacock, but I didn't realize it's not out yet. And like when I got to the yeah. end of the fifth episode, I was like, well, you can't stunt on me, PR <laughs> company, because I'll just switch over and watch the rest of it. That's a very good thing. That's what you want when somebody's, yes. first of all, when they watch all the episodes, because, yo, I'm sent a lot of stuff and sometimes sometimes that stuff just doesn't get all the way watched. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but I watched Real all of it hot. and then I was super bummed that I have to wait until October 22nd, just like a regular person to find out more. Um and here's my like immediate. So the show is called Girl in the Woods. And the thing that my immediate reaction to it is that. Let's see, Jasmine, you and I were talking a little bit age before Misha joined. Misha, I think you are too young um, for this. Oh, no. What's the reference? But, what's the reference? <laughs> no, it's not a bad reference. It's this is what it is. It's, um, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was so important in my high school years and I understand that maybe you've seen it, Misha, but like, yes, you're a younger person than I am. And when I'm, I'm 39, I'll be 40 like next week. And when I was, Congrats. thank whoop, whoop. you, um, when I was in high school, like there were kind of two things you could watch <laughs> that had like any queer representation at all. One of them was this show called Young Americans that like a very, very young Kate Menig was on. There's going to be somebody who loves this reference. It was on for like, I don't even know. It could have been four episodes. Like, it was just, like, one of those things, right? Um, Obviously, there was also My So-Called Life, really important. One season. Um, One season, right? And so we got these, like, sort of flash-in-the-pan shows that really mattered to me. But what was great about Buffy is that, like, it was on forever, and it had this these wonderful and well-developed queer characters that you could grow with. Um, And also, it took a minute for them to be introduced, because of the mm-hmm. timing that was when it was yeah. coming out, that's really tiptoe. And I will also say this: yep. I'm scared of everything. Like Hocus Pocus is really my um, is too scary <laughs> for me. Like t- like it's like really? actually over my line um, of that threshold. Fear. That, that that's a very low threshold. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's why I'm sharing it with you. It's a vulnerable okay. thing. To tell you the story. I, I apologize. Okay, I take okay. to judge. I take yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't okay. have done that. So when I was watching Buffy, it was like a real stretch. But mm-hmm. I would, but I yeah. would like sit through it to be like, "This is." I mean, I didn't even know why I loved it so much. I did. I just was like, "That Allison Hannigan is a talented actor." So anyway, <laughs> zoom forward to now, and you know the characters in this show are like very immediately introduced as 
there's like queerness, there's like gender stuff going on. There's mm-hmm. it's it's you find out more over time, but just as a person who's in the community, like I saw it immediately. And mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's really what I want to start with is, you know, for me for you, Misha, what was it like being a part of that world? And do you have things in your life that were this for you? Yeah, I I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, that a lot of it was play pretend because, of course, a lot of it was on set because it's a TV show and this is a production. But like, I am a non-binary individual. I am now currently sober because I spent quite a few years struggling with addiction. And, you know, I, I, I still do. That's why I'm actively sober and actively in recovery. And there's so much about the character that I play, Nolan, that just was by the book in some way, shape or form, what young Misha grew up dealing with. So to get the audition, first of all, when an actor gets that audition in an email, you're like, holy shit, it's mine. I have to do it. Um, but, (laughs) but, um, the real magic was the process. And I say this so much and it's because I mean it so much that from, you know, doing hour after hour zoom, uh, callbacks with the team, with Kristen, um, Kristen Ritter, our director to like try to shape the character. Oh yeah, so cool. Uh, like, I mean, I I don't know her. She's somebody I like haven't met, but feel very sure that she's the coolest. <laughs> she's she's the coolest, and she's the definition of happy to be here. In that, wow. like, on yeah, on set, she's she's ready to play. She knows how to kill it. She knows how TV works, and that we have a schedule to work on. But she's there to have so much fun, and it was so clear every single day. So blessing. Um, but For sure. between yeah. But between her, we have an amazing queer trans powerhouse showrunner, Casey, who would sit down with me and, you know, adjust lines and talk about tiny details like what memes Nolan would end up scrolling through, like things that really do matter to somebody who's playing like an, uh, as much as we can possibly inject into it authentically Gen Z um, teenager that's dealing with gender identity. The process start to finish with such a team effort in the best way. And I felt like I had such a voice in making Nolan, but also such guidance with set from such an amazing team to make this character as, as, as humanly uh, gritty as possible. And I was so grateful that that was my gift. For the rest yeah. Of the there, there's a specific moment that stands out to me. I can't remember what episode it's in, but it's, it's the moment where like N- Nolan is, sort of being invited to speak about themselves by, by their dad. Um, and mm-hmm. then the show does, a, does like a really interesting choice of like Lolan sort of like tiptoes out of the closet. And then it's received so poorly that there's um like a sort of disconnection of sound. And we really see that like there's a um, disassociation that happens for Nolan. And I, you know, I found that to be really, impactful and well done like you know beautifully acted and also but also well captured in the show and it's something that i don't know if i've seen a lot on screen this thing of like opening up and knowing that that's going to go that that's going that that's not going well and just the like decision to protect by like not being there anymore um it's certainly something from my own life yeah, I don't I can't think of um a scene that has approached that in that way either. I mean, one of the things even to take that scene a step back that I really liked and I thought was very nuanced 
was the dad comes in thinking that he's going to have a conversation around um, who he perceives to be his quote unquote son being gay and right. is very fully uh, like, it's fine in in a way that is still uh, a bit problematic, but in a way that the dad thinks he's being supportive. The second that it becomes outside of something that the father is comfortable with and becomes now about gender, it is immediately so quickly it, um, the dad laughs like he right. he laughs. And to me, that was kind of a bit indicative of and I have not struggled with gender identity, but I am queer. And I know that when I was first sort of coming out and telling people, you know, that I was queer and I had a girlfriend and all that, I would not get what you sometimes see, which is an all-out sort of rebuff where someone's saying, we're rejecting you or we're disowning you. It's kind of like, ah, okay, we're just going to like skip over it. That We're not going to talk about that. We're going to skip over that. Like, And ignoring a part of your identity that is at your core. And that is so painful. And I don't think people realize that dismissing is, is so, so, so painful. Um, and that's what happens in the scene. And I think it's very well done. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I guess it's a, maybe properly labeled as like a microaggression. And, you know, I, even if somebody that's listening, it, you know, I don't like thinks of themselves as a cis person. This also happens. This is, this happens so frequently when there are like layers of identity stacked on top of each other. Like, like if, if you were to say to somebody like, yeah, that's how I feel about this as like a black queer woman, as opposed to just like a queer woman, you know, mm -hmm. and somebody being like, well, like, I understand that this might affect you as a queer woman. Why did you have to say black? You know, and it's like, mm -hmm. I, I think that's that's another way that we see that. I think another way we see this is like, you know, if somebody would say, like, I recently had somebody say to me, um, I was like talking about Supreme Court stuff, just like in passing. And the person laughed when I mentioned, um, like, you know, as if we need more Brett Ka Kavanaugh's on there making decisions about me you know and it's like mm -hmm. this sort of like because I, I think because we we're talking about abortion it's like i mean there is i identify as gender fluid there's some there are some days i feel like a woman i always care about abortion um but i just think uh -huh. like you know it, it just is when we don't see all of the layers that somebody is bringing you know that's um i think that's another time that this happens and i feel like anybody who's listening knows that one like knows that experience and i think it's really beautifully done in the show um, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. No, it's it's one of the, it's one of those things that it's when someone feels invalidated, especially mm -hmm. when they are young, and especially mm -hmm. when they are young and queer or figuring out queerness. Mm -hmm. It's in my in my opinion, it's one of the quickest ways to a mental health downslide because when somebody that even means well, like your parents, is coming to you and trying to trying to in their own way validate you, but they end up shoving one piece of your identity under the rug because it's not comfortable for them. What they've done mm -hmm. is say that part of you is what I don't like and is what I want under the rug. And that is incredibly hurtful and can lead to all those oh. awful, awful things that we see with teens that are dealing with mental health issues. Oh, I mean, that's beautifully yeah. stated. And I also really appreciate you, you know, sharing that you are somebody in recovery because I do, I did feel watching the show. That was something that I was hoping would be, it's like just in the episodes that I watched, it hasn't been addressed yet outside of just seeing that as a coping mechanism and um coping skill and i was just yeah so anyway i'm happy to know that like that's on everyone's radar because i do think that like especially with a gen z crowd um 
I don't know, like, this is going to sound just as some, just as somebody who, you know, I'm in, re- I'm in recovery for codependency myself. And I have many people in my life who are in recovery for other things. And I think that for me, sometimes watching something like, um, where Gen Z actors or characters are experimenting with like an access to drugs that is different than it has been in other eras. It's like a part of, I mean, we're in like the legalized weed era. And so it's like a part of being a young person that it's different when it's legal versus when it was illegal when I was growing up. And I, I think I just, um, it's something I often wonder about is like if the, normalization of a young person using um without sort of exploring like the fullness of what that experience can and can be for somebody um can do damage sometimes like i'm gonna say i love the show euphoria i also think it kind of makes drugs look super fucking fun and i think that is a mixed message (laughs) oh yeah no it makes it look cool it's yeah. And it's it's also yes. like what a beautifully acted show, what a beautiful show to watch. It's got a lot to give, but it does make drugs look really fucking fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I want no, And no, it's 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 absolutely that's absolutely. And I think that's I I would hope that's almost everybody's takeaway from something like Euphoria because that's TV and we are in the entertainment industry above all else, which right. unfortunately it does become above all else, but I will say that for me, one of the reasons I was so excited about that scene and excited to see like a really down and dirty impulse driven, I'm upset, therefore I'm turning to drugs moment for Nolan is to start like everything else in the show, like the classism that's addressed in the show with being in a small mm-hmm. mining town, like mm-hmm. the the racial elements of the show when it comes to Tasha and Tasha's father dealing with what it means to be part of this town. I hope, and I and I know that Crypt hopes that it starts a conversation. It doesn't have to bust it open and provide the answer, but clearly this teen that's struggling with gender identity is upset and is turning to copious amounts of drugs to deal with that. Right then and there, in addition to being entertaining, in addition to having monsters pop out of fucking nowhere and scare the living shit out of you, it's also a conversation <laughs> starter. So that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I hope the show true. does. Yeah. Also, can I just say that one of the worst things that this show did to me, and I'm pretty upset with about this, Jasmine. So, like, I'm hoping you can address Uh-oh. this. Um, <laughs> is uh, it did the thing where a character's looking in the mirror and they see something behind them that they can't see that's in the room with them? And I just want oh, you to know yeah. that's one of my worst fears, <laughs> and I'm pretty upset that you put that in the show. And I just um, <laughs> wanted to ask you if you too are afraid to look in mirrors, or if that's just like. <laughs> easy for you and if so how teach me your ways (laughs) i cannot i cannot say that that is one of my fears although it was on the day that we shot that um because um, it's just uh, the monster is creepy and uh the situation and it's a real actor that's a real actor doing that. Yeah, shit. it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not CG. It's not. Uh, oh yeah, you, know, you can tell. Effects. Come on, it's- I get. I'm. I got. I got a good monster sniffer. I know when we're talking practical <laughs> effects. <laughs> that is a really good scare, and I've had um, a few people who have watched the show back or seen the trailer because there's a shot of that in the trailer who are like, "Nope, not today. Not doing it's that." Not, Based I off don't of like that, that one scare. Part. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't like that part. And I'm wondering if you would consider like taking it out. 
No, not taking it out, but providing viewers with like a buddy that looks in the mirror for them after watching that. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, we will go at P- Peacock TV. Everyone go to them and demand that they send them a buddy. <laughs> to go Absolutely. That sounds great. You're right. It's, it shouldn't come out of your pocket. I'm sure Peacock will do that. Yeah, I'm not putting NBC that on Universal, is a, they've got much, they've got much different pockets. Much bigger arm. They can do that. <laughs> Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Jasmine, because you said when you were talking that you, you know, you're invested in in genre TV. Like what what did you grow up watching that made this something that an area of specific focus or is it an area of specific focus for you? Um, I you know, it's interesting. I didn't like grow up watching a ton of horror specifically. Um, I uh, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure how I ended up here. I think I discovered my way here just through the process of branching outside of what it is that you're sort of told and, and made to watch, whether it's for me, like my parents and things like that, what they would buy, what they would put on TV, what they would allow to be on their television, that kind of thing. And then as you get older and you start watching other kinds of content, I was like, wait, wait, wait. This was been it's been all wrong. Like there's a whole genre of stuff out here that I just really, really love. And it's not specifically horror. Um, I also love sci-fi quite a bit. Um, but genre in general, I just think that what you can do with the genre, the the way that you can build worlds or you can use monsters or whatever it is, um, and I've said this before, and I will say it again because I want people to really understand this. Uh, it should always be used as sort of the icing on the cake for either talking about like very deep character development or very deep themes. And that's what gets me. I grew up loving reading. I was super into uh, very, very kind of soapy YA books. I read all of the, you know, when I was super young, all of the Babysitter's Clubs, all of all of the ones that everybody reads. But um because of that, like, I just love character and I love drama. And when you add monsters or a, some sort of big, crazy world on top of it, uh, I think that what you do is you sort of uh, trick a little bit people into coming in and thinking they're getting just pure entertainment, but you're walking away having a deeper conversation, um, which I think is really right. important and something that I think is unique to genre content. Right. Well, I mean... No argument there for me. I although I although horror 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 is not my um is not the place I feel the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 
I still, it's still something I'm obsessed with. Like, have I seen a lot of horror movies? No, but I can tell you the plots to all of them and I can um, describe some film stills to you. But sci-fi specifically, um, I absolutely love. And I will also say that, like, I think that sci-fi has got, has, like, one of my favorite movies in the whole world is Alien. Um, because it's fine with me if an alien is behind you in the mirror. That's actually fine with me. It's just, like, can't be a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> aliens fine. all right season two um, we'll figure out how to get aliens yeah. at the door aliens fine <laughs> with me. um but you know it's always I, I think that's something that um sci-fi specifically has done a pretty good job with over generations now is like that and action are the two places that i have found like interesting women like those, mm-hmm. that's where i have found the most interesting Specifically straight white women, you know, like Ripley. Yeah. Um, God, God, aren't we sad that she's not one of ours? That's one of the saddest <laughs> things that ever happened. Yes. Um, but, you know, I don't, something I haven't seen and, you know, it could just be that like, I've missed it. And I, I am dying for that show or that property that has a central, um, queer character in the sci-fi and action space it's like i mean mm. sort of that exists in um oh my god was that a what is that Charlie Theron movie where she does all the stunts and then the cameraman does all the stunts uh I'm talking about atomic uh, oh, blonde. Oh, oh, oh yep atomic blonde. blonde like mm-hmm. she's queer but it's like it's she's only queer so that somebody can be dead um and <laughs> Can I get that on a t-shirt? She's only queer, but yeah. somebody can be dead. <laughs> yeah. But is this something, you know, how... <laughs> because you're talking about the, like, layers and character development. I mean, is do you have favorites in this in this genre? Or do you have something that you hope that you get to make that more reflects some characters that you'd like to see? I know for me, like, I I just... Like what? Like why they're? I mean, because it's also so. So many characters are queer coded, you know. And then it's like, like Sarah Connor. Come on, Sarah Connor. Like <laughs> I get that you sure. have a kid, and that's great. But you can have another partner later. Yes. Come on. <laughs> I think Sarah Connor is for sure like fire pan. There's guy like come on, like for sure. Gotta be. Um, gotta be. Gotta be. Gotta be. Uh, to answer your question, yes, there there are a lot. There are a lot of things that I want to eventually make. Unfortunately, I can't just snap my fingers and be like, hey, this is the thing that I want to make. There are a lot of different layers that go into being able to make a show. And a lot of people who are above me in whatever the sense, I'm not just talking about like above me at Crip, but I mean like at the studio level or at the network level, who are the buyers who make the decisions, who honestly still um, those circles are not as inclusive as they should be. So I think that sometimes it can be it can be hard to sort of still get people to prioritize having a queer person as the lead or even like speaking uh, 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 as myself, like a black. I want to I want to do like a, I want a black queer badass <laughs> like I want it yes <laughs> and and I want to be responsible for putting it out there you know I love girl in the woods and I love what we've done I would love you know the the 
the Buffy that is a person of color, that would be fantastic to me. And I would love it if I was the one to put that out there into the world. We're getting closer. But um, yes, I definitely do want to be making more of that content. And it is stuff that I have things that I'm actively working and developing on. But it's uh, it's like I said, it's not as simple as just saying I want to do this. Like there's a larger engine and we all need to be a part of the conversation and a part of like making the change to make sure that people are able to see themselves in leading roles, not just yeah. the sidekicks in leading yep. roles, because you do have I do think that the parts um, are getting much uh, juicier, but I they still are not like number one on the call sheet, which mm. is something to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, um, this, <laughs> this is why I personally recommend YouTube compilation videos of queer characters from television shows, <laughs> because that is the only way that we get to be main characters in, in every show is that yeah. like somebody, some like teen yeah, in like, like, it often Russia or like yes. somewhere. I was, was yes. going to say either Russia, yeah. Russia or China. I to say Russia. <laughs> yeah. Some teen in Russia is like pouring over footage and like editing it together. And I, and I fucking watch those because I think I, sometimes I can't stand to sift through the filler <laughs> of the straight central <laughs> arc of a TV show. Um, Real. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, yeah. M- Misha, um, I, I want to ask you about, you know, being out as an actor and what that is like for you and, and how that evolved for you. Has, has that, well, how new is that? That's quite new. I came out as non-binary, like, to the world um, over the pandemic. Um, namely because we all had time to sit and think about our existential crisis. So I, that's what came to me. Um, but it also happened for me in the middle of press for my previous project It happened in the middle of me promoting a film. Um, and it, I was lucky that the queer, it was a horror film. So I was lucky that the queer horror community accepted me with open arms. I was lucky that this is Hollywood. So to the extent that Hollywood can be accepting, they were. Um, and I, I was also lucky that I had a good supportive group of friends, but what's funny is that I've always had two sides of this. I have compared my undeniable privilege of having a built in family support system, professional network of people that were also supportive of me being non-binary and be, and being out about it and wanting to implement it into my career. Um, and then I also am like everybody else, you know, a, a target for online trolls, um, the the offhanded misgenderings, all of these things that naturally happen when you announce that you no longer fall inside the gender binary. It's been amazing for me in that roles like, and this is not even just pumping up the show for no reason, roles like Girl in the Woods came my way because I was speaking my truth in real life, therefore a role that was very much my truth in in fiction came my way. So that was incredible. But it's been fascinating to revel in and enjoy the freedom of living my femme non-binary self while 
also, whether it's talking to other queer people in the entertainment industry that haven't had that experience with their queerness or, you know, even like in, in a way that phased me not much at all. We started to get comments on, you know, Girl in the Woods socials posts about why XYZ is this actor that annoys me because of their queerness, because of their their, um, you know, insert homophobic or transphobic rhetoric uh, here. Mm-hmm. And got it. Yeah. But it's overall, I felt very supported and I felt very lucky and I, I can honestly say that I've just, I've never been happier in my life mm-hmm. because I, I wake up every morning and make decisions, whether it's outward appearance or inward gesticulating or how my voice sounds or anything. Like I make, I make, I make decisions based on what I want to see from myself in the world, no longer through the framework of what muscle tea will make me look most masked for this audition. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And, you know, it's also interesting because the, I mean, even in terms of like, and I don't know, if, you know, in, in terms of the way that um, you wear your hair in this show sure, and um, the way that like the clothes that you're wearing, it it's like a throwback. So you look like in this show to me, you look like a tr- like a trope from the 80s yeah. um, that I grew mm-hmm. up with, who is like the sort of best friend character, like Ducky from Pretty in Pink. Um, that you are, that the main character is like not gonna take seriously or, or, um, hook up with. And Mm -hmm. it is interesting to like, look back on that and sort of see, like, first of all, that's how I actually dress like Ducky from (laughs) (laughs) you and me both most (laughs) true, like like, bolo ties. Anyway, um, like I found, I figured that out a couple years ago and I was like, oh, um, yeah. Uh, but I, you know, it's like, it is interesting catching up with ourselves because obviously, you know, it's not we it wasn't we, it wasn't where we are now where there's like this push to actually like name what that person is and then like also cast an actor who shares that identity but like that we've kind of always been trying to do this or at least I mean that's those are the movies I grew up with so always since right. you know from my consciousness um that we've always had this type of character who is like assigned male at birth, but like had cool hair and a like welcoming friend energy. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I just was struck by that. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it until seeing also, by the way, this, this also exists for like, there are assigned female birth characters that this exists for too. Like kind of anything Mary Stuart Masterson ever played, but, um, Anyway. Well, I'm also I'm also even thinking about uh, what's uh, what's her name Beth in Girl in the or in um, Stranger Things is that mm-hmm. is that you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. like there's there are there's always going to be the sidekick trope and there's really harmful things and really fun things about that trope but I will say that that 80s big curly hair denim jacket secret fishnets underneath vibe that was Nolan throughout this show it, it it was never lost on me that it was kind of an homage to the 80s friend and the 80s best friend and what i like about this show is that we take we take your reference we put it on a plate we do some really <laughs> weird shit with it throw some hot sauce on it and then serve it up because it's yeah. different now yeah, but like, yeah, I gotta, yeah that's I really cool it's beautiful i i, I gotta I give a it. shout out to Kristen ritter um because she put a lot of thought into the looks of all of the characters and these sorts of things are not, we're not lost on Kristen and they were part Mm -hmm. of the conversation. And so it's really great when people pick up on that because uh, every single detail of the show is very, very uh, thought out and um, 
you know, you hope that that someone from the audience sort of is able to grab onto that. So shout out to Kristen Ritter. Um, yeah, she absolutely. Really did. Always. She did a great job helping to establish these characters because I love them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's also very interesting. You know, she's played in so many different types of shows that it it is cool to see somebody's experience uh, pay off in their ability to, you know, pay attention to detail like that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I love that. And I, I do think that it's really amazing to have that character that was sort of like, stop asking me to prom, be like the actual object of somebody's affection, as opposed to like the person that makes you squirrely, you're trying to get away from. Right. Um, and that's a, that's a huge change. And, you know, I definitely appreciated it. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who do. Well, you two, um, this has been such a beautiful conversation. I loved meeting both of you. Your Thank you. true sweethearts. You Thanks. Um, <laughs> and before I send you back into your day, I just wanted to ask you both to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you can be who you are today. So, what, would both of you like to shout out a queero? You go first, Misha. Oh, thanks, Jasmine. Thanks so much. <laughs> you okay. um, um, uh, so, so I there, there's you know entertainment industry esque folks that I could shout out, but this a similar question was asked to me yesterday, and it popped into my brain, and now it's too magical. I have to use it again. Um, I one of my first big gigs was a stage show in New York. It was a, a stage version of Clockwork Orange, and the show in itself was very masked, very muscly. We were all with the gym all the time, and you know, of course, the the femme side of my brain was exploding because it wasn't being used. Um, but I had a castmate who identifies completely outside of any gender or sexual binary. And that was pretty new for me at the time. And so Alexander, when we would go out into these like queer spaces in Brooklyn and go dancing and all of that, and like Alexander was so free and there was never any question that they always fell outside of all the binaries and that's where they felt most free and fun. And it was such a a trial by fire sort of immersion lesson in me realizing that that was possible. So that person really changed the course of my life, especially when it came to marrying my gender identity with my public persona. So I credit Alexander and I'm very grateful that I met that human. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that is beautiful. Um, you know, I'm gonna, uh, I was going to shout out someone else, but I actually think that I want to shout out, and there's a specific reason for this. I want to shout out my fellow guest, Misha. Um, and the reason why I want to do this is because I think that this is really important. And give me a second, because like I said, this, I wasn't going to say this, but so I'm trying to like find the exact right words. But um, I think that it is really, really hard to be open and honest um, with the things that you are going through, especially when those things are things that people want to hate you for when they're the core of who you are. And I mentioned, I said this before we got, uh, before we started recording, but I am 33 and I am queer and I have come to terms with like my queerness, but I never realized how hard it is to actually go out there and like speak about this. Um, I talk about this with my friends, uh, not as much with my family, but we didn't get into that, but it, it, it is kind of like, a we understand what you are, but we're not going to really talk about it so much. Uh, and I think that there is something that just is really, really special about being open and honest about your experience that has inspired me to be able to go out there and have these conversations. And I think that it's important that 
that people know that. And I highlight you right now because it is something even at 33 that isn't easy for myself. Um, and I am inspired by you, by the fact that you are able to just like be so honest and share your experiences and allow those of us to be inspired by them and be brave and bold. So thank you, Misha. Thanks, wow. Jasmine. I'm sorry if that was that. like not eloquent at all because, like I said, that just like oh, it came oh, to it was me. But uh, <laughs> so sorry to but there burst your bubble, but it sounded great. <laughs> you know, I think I think Jasmine that um, I really appreciate you saying that, and you know, I, it also isn't lost on me that you're somebody who might usually be more behind the scenes, you know, and so stepping up and yeah. doing an interview like this, it's this is like risky stuff. I mean, it, that's true for a lot of our, my guests, because there are some people who like, you know, they're a more front facing person in terms of like, you know, an actor or whatever you get, you get used to speaking with media. That's like part of what's going on. It's, it's an actual extension of your job. And then there are guests that I have who like, number one, have nothing to do with the entertainment industry or like they're an, a writer, you know, or, or, or whatever it is. And I am always, by the way, sometimes that means sometimes it doesn't Sometimes it's hard to do this podcast because the person that I'm speaking to is like somebody who um, doesn't have like media fluency. And so we're both trying so hard to meet each other, but it's like a newer yeah. skill set. Um, but I, I always appreciate it because I think otherwise we could get into a zone, especially on a show like this, where we think that it's like easy to talk about this stuff. Because right. like, and again, I'm not saying, oh, it's easy for Misha. It's just, it is going to be part of Misha's job or it is part of my job to talk about this. And I kind of appreciate the, like, you know, the spectrum of having people on who, like, this is new for them to talk about themselves. Yeah, because for sure. I think yeah. for listeners, you know, you know, my listeners live all over the place. They do all different types of jobs. I think it would be so othering if <laughs> anytime you listen to the show, everybody was like, you know, if if everybody was Alexander, it's like you need you need Alexander <laughs> and then you need not Alexander, because I think we need the example. And then we also need like the example. Of, we need the example of the non struggle. And then we also need the example of the struggle. I think right. that's really important yeah. to me um, as a queer person to see that. Yeah, no, it really is. And not to, not to put too fine a point on something that's making me turn red, Jasmine, but like it's it's one of those things where. I feel very passionately as I build a career, like you were saying, in the public eye, as it were. Like, it's very important to me to do things like Girl in the Woods, like when it comes to my writing and my producing aspirations as well, to continue to create content like this, not just because it's groundbreaking and not just because it, you know, speaks to me personally, deeply as a queer person. I, my mission is vocabulary. My mission is I need, want, desire that young queer people, people struggling with mental health, young people in general grow up, they watch something like Girl in the Woods or they watch something even more kind of innocuous in like a, a Sesame Street level way. And they see queerness, they see otherness, they see these things on screen. So then they feel more than comfortable asking their parents about it, talking to their family about it, talking to their friends about it. So vocabulary just kind of infiltrates everybody's minds and it, be, it becomes kind of a non-issue hopefully by the time that they're an adult and discovering their identity that to me is a perfect vehicle for the entertainment industry and that's what i hope i do for the rest of my life in this industry so well everyone lovely to speak with you and let's leave it there yeah all right